0: Welcome to another episode of a special podcast we like to call From the Archives. These are hand picked sermons and sermon series preached in our church over the years by some of the pastors, elders, and special guests we've had the privilege of listening to. We hope and we pray that as we listen to these classic messages, we'll be challenged in our walk with Jesus and encouraged to trust in him more and more. That being said, let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, Uh, we are now week three into our five-week series called The Dummies Guide to Discipleship. This is from the archives, this is something we did one summer a good number of years ago as a church where each Sunday during the month of August, one of the elders basically opened up and explored something which you might consider to be basic or fundamental to the life of a Christian. Wynne helped us out the first week speaking about grace, the welcoming grace of Jesus. I was on duty last week. That's when I was sharing about reading the Bible, what it is we're trying to find in the Bible, and how we can get it from the Bible. This week it's Jonathan Thomas' turn, and he's speaking to us about prayer and especially how understanding the relationships that exist within the Trinity and And our relationship with God in heaven revolutionises our prayer lives. How it means that we can mourn. It means we can grumble. It means that we can even come to him in silence. But the relationship we have is fundamental. Um, I found this a very encouraging as well as challenging and helpful sermon. And I hope it helps you too. Anyway, I should shut up and hand you over to Jonathan.
1: I wonder if this morning you feel like a prayer pretender or a prayer failure. I wonder when we do a series and we say we're going to do a um, a sermon on prayer, do you start to feel guilty even before I preach? Because you know what I'm going to say? You know, if you've got a really busy day, you need to get up three hours earlier and pray all the more. And that's what the good Christians do. And if you can't do that, you're probably not a Christian. So I wonder, when it comes to prayer, is it something that frees you or something that makes you feel guilty? A uh, psychologist and Christian minister, uh, Pablo Martinez, uh, wrote this in his book on prayer. He said, I would like my readers to think of prayer without guilt, because too often we associate the two together. Prayer should not just be one more burden in life, but a pleasure to enjoy. My aim in the next 28 and a half minutes is not to make you feel guilty about prayer but to help you see that prayer is a treasure and a delight you can enjoy. In that little yellow book uh, that we gave away a couple of months ago in a selling today, uh, Praying Life by Mike Reeves, I was amazed when he um, quoted one of my heroes, uh, Luther, uh, a man who you you would think would talk about getting up three hours earlier on a busier day to pray. And this was the quote from Luther. He says, I sit here like a fool and hardened in leisure, pray little, Do not sigh for the church of God, yet burn in a big fire of my untamed body. In short, I should be ardent in spirit, but I'm ardent in flesh, in lust, laziness, leisure, and sleepiness. And I've got to be honest, that encouraged me. So one of the most encouraging things I've ever read Luther say. Because here is a man of God who kind of led the Reformation, and he struggled with prayerlessness. And that really encourages me, because I, as a Christian, as a pastor stand here and say i struggle with prayerlessness i struggle to pray prayer can be hard for the christian and what i want to do this morning now in the next 27 minutes is help you have two things that can help change your prayer life two things i want to show you who you're praying to and how you should pray really we're looking at the trinity which sounds very complicated but it's not going to be and some tips But genuinely, understanding that God as Trinity really helps our prayer life. And to do this, we're going to read from uh, Luke chapter 11 and verses 1 to 13. Luke 11, verses 1 to 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So this is great, isn't it? The disciples were wanting to pray, wanting to learn, so they asked Jesus. Now we get to, for the next kind of 10 verses or so, read Jesus Christ's teaching on prayer. So what does Jesus say? Does he say, try harder? Does he say, do better? Well, this is what he says. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, Abba, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked, and my children are are with me in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here's the first thing today, two points. Who are you praying to and how? When it comes to prayer, the most important thing you can know is who you're praying to. Now, John Stott, who was an Anglican minister, a great writer, uh, once said this. He says, Every morning, he wakes up, and the first thing he does is kneel beside his bed and says, good morning, God the Father, good morning, God the Son, good morning, God the Holy Spirit. And I remember thinking, that is bonkers. What are you doing? It's a very Anglican thing to do, isn't it? Getting up and praying to the Trinity. But as I reflected on those words, I thought, that is genius. Because the first thing he's doing in the morning is reminding himself of who God is. And the key to prayer, really, is to know whom you're praying to. You see, we pray to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. So when you pray, I wonder who you think you're praying to. The Bible says here, Jesus says, he says, when you pray, verse 2, say, Father. The most important thing for us is to know that God is our father if you have a look at the end of the reading in verse uh, 13 isn't it he says you know if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children he's talking to fathers you how much more will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him you know jesus was being revolutionary here in the old testament individuals never called god father individuals would never dare do that and jesus comes along and says god is my father god is our father Muslims today wouldn't really dare call God father in that intimate term it just confuses them it seems kind of offensive to them but New Testament Christianity says this the most important thing about God is he is our father you see when we come to prayer who do you imagine you're coming to some of us in prayer imagine the headmaster remember the headmaster you only ever saw the headmaster if you were me, if you'd been in trouble. Some of you saw him because you were clever and good at sports. Well, there we are. Well done for you. But I only ever saw him when I did something bad. And some of us think that, not it? God is just there when things either go really wrong um, or when things are going really well. God's kind of like a headmaster. Or some of you this morning had very harsh fathers, um, perhaps even abusive fathers. And now when you hear God the Father, it jars and it... It hurts and it aches. And you struggle to see, well, how is God the Father? What does that, what does that mean? And that can be a long journey of Christian experience of, of having that concept of Father redeemed and renewed and made new. Some of us think of God as a distant deity, the blind watchmaker. We understand that God is powerful and God can do all things, but he's kind of done it and now he's leaving me to my own devices. Some of us use God as an aspirin. Do do you know what I mean? Just when you've got a headache, you're just going to take it. And sometimes we think of God in prayer as an aspirin. Or maybe some of us have such a high view of God that when it comes to prayer, we think all of our needs are trivialities. Do you ever feel like that? I can't pray about that. God, you know, it seems selfish. It seems, you know, cheeky to pray to God about that. Is he interested in what I'm going to, to, to pray about? Or some of us sometimes see God as someone who needs to be nagged. Um, We read about this widow, isn't it, with the unjust judge, and she nagged and she nagged and she nagged, and then finally the judge gave in. And so we think, oh, that's what that must mean. And we read here about this guy who comes at midnight, and because he's bold and he nags, then God serves us. So we think, well, prayer and God is, you know, he's someone who needs to be nagged. And then finally he'll kind of give in. Actually, all of those images of God are, are wrong. Jesus says, if you want to know God, know him as your father. And that's the thing, you see, you need to ask the question, are you responding to God like a lodger, someone who has to work for things, or like a child, like a son? It makes all the difference. When we pray to God, we pray as a father. And the reason we know we can pray to God as a father is because we pray through the son. So how do we finish our prayers? In the name of Jesus, amen. And the reason we pray at the end of our prayers in the name of Jesus, Amen, isn't kind of like abracadabra. It isn't like a magic incantation, but it's reminding us that when we pray, we're praying through Jesus. You see, when it comes to God, there are three problems. Uh, problem number one is is sometimes we are too bad. So God is holy, and we're too bad, or we're not good enough. God is holy, and we don't get to His relationship standards, or. God isn't close enough. We're not in an intimate relationship. That's the problem with us, really, is that we're not good enough for God. We're too bad, and we're not close to him. But what Jesus does is Jesus comes and lives that perfect life we could never live. What he's doing there is is he is making us good. And then he dies on the cross, even though he doesn't need to. Why? To pay off our debt. So he takes away all our badness. And then the next thing Jesus does is Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to come and live in our hearts So that we're adopted into God, and now we can call him Father. So the relationship has changed. You see, when we come to pray, we always feel it's one of those things, isn't it? I'm too bad, I've not been good enough, or the relationship isn't right. But actually, for the Christian, because of Jesus, we're never too bad, we're always good enough, and the relationship is always right. We pray to the Father through the Son. Pablo Martinez, again, says this, God sees our prayer with the eyes of grace. They reach him by the merits of Christ, not by our own. Uh, Luther said this, prayer is like speaking through the lips of Jesus. It's amazing, isn't it? That when we talk to God, we talk to him as father because Jesus makes our prayers perfect. We have authority to speak to Jesus Uh, Do you remember when you were in school, and some of you guys are in school now, kids, if you leave a classroom during a lesson and you're walking down a corridor and another teacher finds you, their initial response is, What are you doing? And and you kind of stop for a moment, don't you? And as long as you can say, Mr Jones has sent me on an errand, you're okay. Because you're out in the corridor in the authority of the teacher. But if you said, oh, well, little Frankie next to me told me to go down the corridor, you'd be in detention. But when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. We come and say, God, Jesus has died for me. Jesus has lived for me. Jesus has risen for me. And Jesus is sitting at your right hand at the moment. And he's saying, he's my son. She's my daughter. I love them. They're in the family. And so when we pray, we pray to the Father through Jesus. And and here's the great thing. We don't only pray to a father through Jesus. We pray to our Father through Jesus by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you noticed, at the end of this passage, it's very odd, isn't it? Because when he's talking about asking and receiving, at the end of it in verse 13, he says this. You know, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's very important to know where you are in the Bible here. We are pre-Pentecost. Okay, we're still in the Gospels here. But at the beginning of the book of Acts, something amazing happens. The day of Pentecost comes. Which means all of the Old Testament prophecies about the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in our hearts, all comes and arrives. And so in the day of Pentecost in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes down on all believers in all time, in all power. Which means now the gospel is internalized. Have a turn with me to Romans 8. Have a turn to Romans 8. And this will really help you to see the role of the Holy Spirit in in prayer. Because this is something that really, really helps. So I'm praying to my Father through the Son. And then in Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read from verse 15, we see here the work of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do in the life of the believer? Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, so you don't have to be scared in prayer, no fear in prayer. It says this, But you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And then listen to this, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit internalizes what has happened in heaven. The fact that we have now become God's children is internalized. Really, that's what happens in a family, isn't it? A child hears the voice of the mother and father in the early years, is close, and and what does the mother do? She And they're getting closer, and the bond is is doing that. And really, for the Christian, the Holy Spirit is like a mother going, shh, shh, shh. The Holy Spirit is working in our heart, saying, He's your father. He loves you. You can come to him. And really, Christian maturity in many senses is about knowing God as our father. So when you pray, you don't have to just mentally understand that God is your father. You don't just have to mentally understand that Jesus has died for you. In your heart, the Holy Spirit deepens this. You experience it. You, you feel it. And, and here's the amazing thing about our, the Holy Spirit. Have a look down to verse 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Listen to this other thing that the Holy Spirit does in prayer. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Have you ever had that experience in life where You have been so hurt, or so worried, or so wounded, or so discouraged. You just don't know what to say. Here's the great thing. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Even your groans, even your grunts, even your sighs are prayers. It's as if God takes our weak and feeble prayers and makes them beautiful and clear. It's amazing, isn't it? I love that. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. Sometimes I'm worrying about people. At the moment, with our brothers and sisters in in Iraq, I don't really know what to pray. So I just groan out to God. Sometimes in someone's life you see pain and you don't know what to pray and you groan. Some of you wake up or you're still awake at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and the minutes are like hours and the anxiety weighs you down. Do you know what? You can groan to God and the Holy Spirit takes that and turns it to prayer because we're praying to our Father through the merit of our Son with the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, learning to pray isn't about learning a technique. It's not about learning a technique. Learning to pray is learning about knowing God. He is my Father by the merit of Jesus and the Holy Spirit makes that right. So, very quickly, that's the Trinity, how that helps us pray. I hope that will help you work it through. Let me give you a couple of tips, okay? How do you pray? Number one, pray. Very very simple. And and here's the great thing about prayer, okay? Here's the amazing thing. You don't have to be somewhere special. You don't have to be in special clothes and wear a tie like me this morning, now that I'm an evangelical movement of Wales speaker. You don't have to do any of those things, okay? You can just pray. And and here's the brilliant thing. Think about worry, okay? Who, Who struggles with worry? We all struggle with worry. Here's a brilliant thought for you, okay? Bible says, don't worry, don't be anxious about anything. Put in everything by prayer and petition, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, this surpasses all understanding will be with you. Okay, Philippians. So when we worry and feel anxious, what do we feel? Guilty. Do we feel we can pray? No. As soon as the worry or the anxiety comes, you go, oh, no, I'm sinning. And now you're worrying about the worrying. And you get into this big kind of thing. And what are you doing? You're now working in a lodger situation. God, I'm worrying. I'm not trusting you enough. I can't pray. We're falling into the lodger. Well, okay, come back into the family. I am worrying. You are my father. You see, when Noah worries about something at two o'clock in the morning, she comes into my bedroom, stands in my face. Daddy, I want water. Back up so she's asleep. Do you know what I do? I go and get in the water. Why? She's my son. Now, if any of you knock my door at 2 o'clock in the morning for water, forget it. I'm phoning the police because you're not my son. Now, when we're worrying about something, most of us think worry and prayer are mutually exclusive, therefore I cannot pray. No, 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 no. Worry and prayer are mutually exclusive, which means this. When you worry, pray. It's no longer worry, it's prayer. But you still feel like you're worrying. Yes, but it's still prayer. Prayer is talking to God, your Father. But what happens, we pray about the worry, we still feel like we're worrying, so we can't be praying. No, 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 no. Your prayers feel like worry. But once you bring the worry to God, it's no longer worry, it's prayer. Do you see, it's because we're talking to our Father. Father. And it's Christ's merit that brings us there, not our own. And the Spirit empowers the prayer. So even though it's messy, even though it's ugly, even though it's just a grunt, the Spirit makes it something beautiful. And God works on our heart. So just pray. Just pray. Get specific times. Do it organized. Do it spontaneously in an organic manner. Whichever way you can do it, just do it. This is what I want to challenge you to do this week. Try and do a John Stock. In the morning, get up. Just say, good morning, God the Father. Good morning, God the Son. Good morning, God the Holy Spirit. Help me today to know you more and to know how that revolutionizes my prayer life.
0: Well, that's it for another episode of our From the Archives podcast. We hope that you found it challenging and encouraging. And as always, we'd like to offer you a few quick next steps that you can take right now. If there's anything that you'd like to discuss or any questions that have been raised, please do contact us via email to contact at If you want to know more about what's going on in the life of the church, make sure that you like us on Facebook. And lastly, why not check us out on YouTube, where you'll find additional teaching to complement our regular sermon podcast and our From the Archives podcast. Thanks for listening.